0: Hello, my friends. Katie Day with the Move Me to Texas team down here in Houston, Texas, with another episode of the Real Advice Podcast. Super excited for this week's guest. He is coming from, if you're watching this on video, you already know because it's a neon light in his background, but coming from Atlanta, Georgia, um, someone who I met a now a few years ago um on Clubhouse. we st- still haven't, I guess, met in person, but um, I've always been a fan of his real estate knowledge and just willingness to collaborate and share and uh, network. So please join me in welcoming Matt LaMarche from Atlanta. How's it going? I'm doing really well. How are you? I am doing well. Just just hanging out, man. Excited that you're here.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you for the opportunity. I mean, as I was telling you before we started here, I got to go back and watch a couple episodes and, and listen to a couple before... Uh, before hopping on with you. And, and I just I really enjoy the content. It's it's always interesting to me to hear different people's perspective. And what you just said there is really important. I think collaboration right now over competition is every... I didn't realize how much other opportunity was in real estate when you just forget about the whole competition thing. So it's nice.
0: <laughs> no, I hear you. And that'll definitely be something we dig into today. So for those that may not know you, Matt, tell, tell me a little bit about yourself um, and kind of how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure. Yeah, so I um I almost got into real estate in like 0607. Thank God I didn't. <laughs> uh my wife was actually a buyer's agent on a uh, a team here in Atlanta and um I approached her broker. I was kind of in between things and had an opportunity to go start something else and then get my license and again, fortunately for me, it didn't work out to get my, he was like, don't do that. Don't do that right now. This is the worst possible
0: time. Yeah, no, not a great time. Uh,
1: (laughs) So I listened. I was actually listening to other people's advice at that moment in my life, which was not the trend for the past, but, uh, Took his advice and, uh, and went and started the other thing. And fortunately I did because it was a great business, it ran its course for about three years, but, um, the market shifted pretty quickly. Um, it was an eBay business where I took stuff from people, sold it for them, took a consignment fee and then gave yeah. them the remaining, you know, fees, if you will, or, or collections. Yeah. Uh, and I did that in a brick mortar, brick and mortar location for a little while for a franchise here in the Atlanta area. And then, um, that business basically dissolved. I had a chance to go to do it on my own, and there was nothing really proprietary about that business. so yeah, went out and did it and uh, did it for about three years, four years on my own. Uh, and then the market shifted after the 2009-10 range and uh, made another shift and and moved on. But um, thank goodness I didn't get into real estate because I learned so much in the next you know 10, fifteen years um that ultimately brought me to to today here in 2022.
0: Well, um, so I'm curious on the yeah. eBay business. Mm-hmm. What was the weirdest thing you ever sold for someone on eBay?
1: Honestly, Katie, there's so much like we would list anywhere from a hundred items a day to a thousand items a day and and of course a lot of these you know once you get into the higher, you're talking about collections like a lot of the same similar type stuff yeah but maybe a different collection or a different color or a different you know, yeah whatever so they were very easy to you could i had this one girl that you just bang out listings no problem but we sold land we sold cars we sold motorcycles we sold um i sold 150 guitar collectible guitars um I mean, literally, when I say I've probably sold it on eBay, I probably have sold it on like China, collectibles, is yeah. the whole, the gamut. So
0: um, uh, it was interesting, what was, the, what was the cheapest thing you
1: ever sold on eBay? So we did have a minimum of like $50. So like okay. it, had, it had to be completed listings, $50 or more. So if you yeah. follow Gary Vee and the whole like garage sale, flip life thing, Uh, You know, there is a point at which financially just doesn't make sense. Your time is worth more than selling something for $5. But, you know, even in all of our research and data points that we had, there was stuff that just didn't sell very well. And there was actually the salt and pepper shaker that we did some research on. And there were multiples over 100, which salt and pepper collectors out there are like... (laughs) They're weird people. Like it's. Just,
0: let's just say what it well, is. Well, we don't want to. We don't want to. You know, offend anyone here on the podcast. You know, well, I don't know how me, many real estate me... agents are also salt and pepper collectors, <laughs> true, but you true. know that. Let's tread lightly here, let's, man.
1: Yeah. Let's let's rephrase. There are some weird collections within the salt and pepper collection world. Let's say that. So um but there was this really strange thing uh, this pair of of salt and pepper shakers that again multiples over 100 consistently and we listed ours took great pictures put a great listing together put it up and i think we got like five dollars and i was like this person's gonna be furious with us but one of the little asterisks on our contract was like look we don't guarantee outcomes or results you know so on and so forth but uh needless to say it was just like that like you know if we t- compare this to like real estate today, right? So right now with markets moving like every four or five days, basically like yeah. a new listing comes on in a neighborhood, sells at four fifty. A week later, something comes on and sells at four seventy five, and then five hundred. So that's kind of like eBay. I mean, you could sell yeah. something one week that was worth five, you'd get five dollars for it, and then other other days you'd get a hundred dollars for it. So. Timing is everything on eBay and in real estate.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, what I really appreciate about the little tangent that we just went on, um, more so me asking more questions, but that you could bring it back to real estate. So that's 100%. that's always the, the you know the look of a good realtor, you know uh, he's able to bring it back into real estate and segue it back into what we actually came here to talk about. So 100%. on that note, how did you get into real estate? You didn't get in back in 06, 607 you know time frame you know 2022 I know you've been selling real estate for a little while now so so when did you get in how did you get back into it
1: yeah so when when me and my wife got married in 07 she had purchased a property we got married and then we moved in together and that was when she was a buyer's agent she sold that entire new development uh, it was about 125 homes and so when i was looking at getting into it i was like well what are we doing with real estate like is it just where we're going to live or you know what does this look like long term over the course of say our lifetime and uh, her broker was super savvy and understood buying, holding, investing, like all flipping all of it. And so fortunately, I was in proximity to him and and his wife, who had about twenty five rentals at the time when we got married, and that was fifteen years ago. So, I learned a lot from them um, about the entire strategy that, you know, you could buy a property 20 years from now, our kids are, you know, seven and 10, but, you know, we're halfway through their life cycle of before, um, you know, before we bought anything, we are like, this could finance kids college, you know, yeah. two, $300,000, 18 years from now, it could be worth a lot more. Um, to fully fund college and board and room, t- uh, tuition, all that stuff. Yeah. So we kind of started thinking in that mindset back when we first got married with our first property. And then about 11 years ago, we made a move to Sandy Springs here, a little bit different area in the Atlanta area. But we kept that property as our first rental. So actually, I became an investor before I even got my license. Um, but I always had an interest in it. You know, I tell my kids kind of jokingly, but not really, that... When we were kids, what what we did for fun with my mom was go drive around and look at open houses. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's sad but true. Um, but uh, but anyway, so I got my license in Feb, um, in January of 2019, officially joined a brokerage and everything. I had another business, a lawn care and landscaping business, at that time uh, for about four years. Sold it in March of 2019. So there was about a quarter there, about 90 days that I just was kind of, you know, trying to ride two horses and it just was not working (laughs) out at all. Um, So I sold the the lawn care and landscaping business, went full time into real estate, closed my first transaction that same February, uh, excuse me, March. It was a great, great March. Um, and then got off to the races. So, uh, you know, here in 2022, it's now been three and a half years, I guess, almost four years, um, made a switch in brokerages a little over a year ago for, you know, a lot of different reasons, marketing and, and just the training and technology that they had in place. But for me, it was what was lacking in my business before. And also I think, you know, drawing that back to my clients, especially, I felt like I was kind of leaving something on the table and I don't mean money. I I felt like opportunity really, um, yeah. And so a year and a half ago, I made a switch, and I think my clients now see a totally different level of service, but also they're getting um, something that they just didn't even knew existed before, <laughs> Yeah, um, which is great. So, yeah, three and a half years now, and it's been I, – I feel like my wife every two or three years would be like, so – when, are you interviewing right now? Like, are you are you about to change jobs again? And I was like, I mean, the boss is an idiot, and it's time. So, <laughs> no, but I kind of found my thing
0: here. And, and wait, I really when you were it. doing landscaping, weren't you the boss? I was, yeah. Prior okay. prior to long care landscaping,
1: <laughs> I, I I'm high D on you know the disc profile. If you know yeah. anything about those people, they think they know everything, and ninety nine percent of us do. And yeah. uh, we know I'm uh, in the ninety nine. <laughs> a much better way of doing everything. So, uh, But no, I, I kind of got to a point uh, in my last official quote-unquote day job where uh, my commissions were being cut in half. And it was a good portion of my income that was commissioned. So it was like, I don't like the idea of someone else determining my financial future um, yeah. year over year. So we need to permanently change. And so when I started the lawn care and landscaping business, I drew a line in the sand. I was like, as soon as we step over this line... No more bosses. <laughs> yeah. So you got to work like you know, work like it all depends on you, and it's been great so far. So
0: yeah, no, that's awesome. So if you could do things over again, as far as real estate goes, and go back, you know, three years, what would you do differently? Hmm.
1: Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot I would change. Honestly, I think for me, the biggest thing that I really hammered on for the first six months, even when I had the lawn care and landscaping business, was just working constantly. Um, even when I started my lawn care and landscaping business, there was six months that I worked it part time while I was still, you know, fully employed. So there's always been this overlap, just kind of, you know, prove it, you know, type thing. And yeah. so for me, um, the first six months in this business was working my other business while trying to get the boat as close to the dock to make the leap. And then, uh, as soon as I felt like I was ready and we were financially prepared and everything else to make that jump. But that first six months, and I told my wife, I was like, Give me six months, like just give me six months to prove it, to actually make some money and then get this machine turning. Um, And so, yeah, after um, after about six months, we did every open house I could possibly work two or three a day. In some cases on Saturday and Sunday, Um, I was calling my sphere and texting and emailing and Facebook messaging and Instagram. I mean, any and every way I could get a hold of people in my network, I was trying to reach out and let them know. I had made a change. And even to this day, I still see people at the supermarkets are like, how's the, how's the lawn care and landscaping business? I'm like, non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's doing well, but
0: I have nothing to do with it now. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. Do you think you would have gone in full-time sooner?
1: Mm, that's a great question. I I don't know. I, th- I think everything happens for a reason, you know. And I I tried to plan as much as I could, and as, of course what I could control. Yeah. Yet at the same time, that ninety days I was really held back. Um, yeah. So even no, though I was working tough, open right? houses, it's super tough. And you know when you when your time is already split, not just from a time's sake, but also money. Like money's. Generated over here, and the moment you stop, it stops. Um, and so I think there was a little bit of fear there, but there was also probably a little bit of like grit that kind of came into it that was like, We got to make both of these things work. And so, time was just everything, and especially with two young kids at the time, it was like you know, I want to be a father as well in all of this. And so trying to figure out the balance was, was tough, but, um, but no, I don't regret it. I mean, I think way too many people go the other way. I think they jump ship too early and they'll go and get their real estate license and then have no plan. And then they go 90 days with no plan yeah, (laughs) or longer in some cases. And, uh, and then it goes nowhere. So I'm, I'm good with my decisions.
0: Well, and so, um, you know i guess with that being said if you had to give advice to a brand new agent right mm-hmm. like it sounds like you hit the ground running with open houses you know getting in contact with your sphere in any way that you could you know whether that's dm or phone call or in person or texting or mm-hmm. emailing or whatever right like you were letting people know what you were doing and you know all that what advice would you give to a brand new agent just got licensed you know and they have 90 days worth of money right yeah. what's what advice would you give to them to be successful
1: Try everything and then measure all of it. Because to me, um, you know, you got to try and figure out what's going to fail for you, but you also got to figure out what's going to work. And for me, open houses were great yeah. to get experience, to hear from people that are buying and selling and act super active. Like if you're looking for right now business, you go to open houses, period, end of story. I don't care what any other coach says right now business. Like I look at, you know, someone that one of our mutual friends, Andy C, Andy C. that talks about, you know, yeah. if you're looking for right now business, open houses is the best way to find it. Those buyers are in that house for a very specific reason.
0: Yeah, no. And, and Andy C, I mean, how many millions of dollars and <laughs> not even, you know, people hear his GCI and they're like, oh, that seems nice for like how much their sales are. We're like, no, no, that's how much money they're making. You know, he's making right. like what, and a good real estate sales you know year would look like for the average agent you know that's <laughs> like oh no that's his gci like blank Seriously? million dollars yeah. um but i mean he personally still does open houses and that's where it's mm-hmm. like you know he truly practices what he preaches um uh, we need to get we need to get him and Eureka on the podcast but 100%. um you know scatterbrain over here but um <laughs> I'll, no, I mean, i'll it, hope you make that up <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll, I'll remind you <laughs> but but really though i mean i, I just made a note andy um <laughs> i open houses is something that we we talk a lot about with the team of like you know the the conversations you have with with uh, leads and with potential clients is going to be different whether they're top of funnel middle of funnel or bottom of funnel and like mm-hmm. for most people their home search starts 12 to 18 months before they ever buy a house right so like if you're hard selling someone that's 18 months out it's gonna hit a lot differently than if someone's at an open house and you know you're going over the home buying process with them so um, I totally agree on the open houses I wish I would have done more when I first started I did a lot of them but I did them all over Houston's mm-hmm. a lot like Atlanta and you know you can drive an hour and still be in it still be exactly. in Houston as you can still exactly. be in Atlanta um so I was driving all over the place to do open houses I would have you know been a little bit more uh intentional with them mm-hmm. but it is one of Well, that's
1: funny, too, because the first six months that I was just pounding, I mean, again, at least one or two every single weekend, but more often than not, two or three per day, per weekend. Um, five of those months, they weren't my open houses. They weren't my listings. I was working them for someone yeah. else, right? And there's two things that I took away from that. Number one was you get active people. But then to my sphere and my Instagram following yep. and yep. my Facebook, they saw that I was out working. Like they saw that things were actually happening. So it's kind of a, a double-edged sword in the best way possible. You get right now people. And I'm, I converted – like my first deal was from an open <laughs> house. Um, and then month five hit and I actually got to hold one of my open, my own open houses. <laughs> Isn't that which, nice? Everything, yeah, everything that was that I learned in the prior five months popped in May for me, and I was like, "I'm gonna crush this!" Like we did Facebook ads. I had like, I think it was 150 people through my first open house, which is like obscene. And this was yeah. pre all this pandemic, and yeah, yeah. all this. So this was nineteen 2019 in May. I got my first uh, listing, and I mean, we crushed that thing. We sold yeah. it off not off market, but we sold it before the open house actually. Um, but yeah, all that stuff that you were learning. I mean. You know social proof is really important, and especially when you're new to show that you're out actively working, people are like, "Okay, as opposed to sitting at home like cruising the m l s yeah, and you get to you get to hear real life input, like you get to talk with real people that are actually transacting right now, so yeah, anyway,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, uh the power of open houses is very significant. Mm-hmm. I am a fan. Um, so we talked, you talked about it briefly when we first started, but tell me a little bit more about kind of like your collaboration with agents. I know you do like live streams with agents from across the country. Um, I, I've, I don't know if you still do it, but like you were doing like an Atlanta networking group on clubhouse for a while. I know you network in person, you know, with people in Atlanta, how has that helped you on like, not only the, the meetings, but also the mindset in your career?
1: Mm, great question. So, so yeah, I think, to me, where I get really deep into networking is understanding that there's two versions of it. There's the in-person, there's the the belly to belly, right? And then there's the virtual social media, you mentioned Clubhouse like Zoom, you know, all of this type of stuff I think has really um extrapolated really big potential over the last two years for everyone. Like we've all been looking for new ways to to network, I think. And not that social media is a new idea by any stretch. But I think for a lot of people and myself included, so guilty raising their hand here that for me, I didn't realize what great opportunity there could be between referral partners. Um, and so, yeah, we do a weekly room on clubhouse for the Atlanta real estate, um, market, you know, originally we thought me and the other Matt here in Atlanta thought that this would be a great way for us to get clients, like, you know, new people coming on the clubhouse and it didn't go anywhere. In fact, we just attracted a lot of other real estate agents, which was amazing. Um, but I don't think you can see it back there, but I got an award for that last year, um, and bringing attention to the Atlanta real estate market and our local, um, association here awarded me the ambassador award it was the first year they'd ever they created this award for me basically because of the stuff we did on clubhouse stuff we did on youtube and instagram and you know not just putting the association on a pedestal but also the the amazing connections that you can make, because again, at the very beginning you mentioned collaboration over competition. And to me, that I really didn't understand that for the first two years. I thought we're all competing. Like I'm competing yeah. against you, even though you're in Texas, because I'm competing for attention. But here in Atlanta, I've made some amazing connections. And now we get to talk every single week about what what's happening, like what's moving, what's not moving, how many offers are you getting? You know, all yeah. this collaborative space that we get to share. Um, So that's been really, really good. Uh, The second thing that I'm really proud of is that every week I've been interviewing um, agents from all around the country as a result of Clubhouse. I looked at all these awesome connections and I'm like, I need to build something for my clients. Like everyone's moving across interstate lines now all the time. I'm going to build my own referral network from people that I've spent literally now hundreds of hours (laughs) with on Clubhouse, um, getting to know them, getting to like them and trust them even as my as an agent myself. Um, so we post that to LinkedIn, YouTube, and then my Facebook page. So every week, a new episode drops on that. And literally now you've got one point of contact for every state. By the end of this year, we'll have that completely built out. Um, and then of course, just honestly commenting and going into people's feeds and building those relationships, agent relationships, but also um, now YouTube, we use a lot of YouTube content to create relationships with buyers and sellers. Um, I'm licensed in Georgia as well as South Carolina. And I have a team in South Carolina that uh, specifically Hilton Head, it's like a little 12 by five island um, that uh, that we have a whole team there of like 20 agents that are absolutely amazing. They're number three on the island right now. And they're quickly just hockey stick growth um, and it's why I chose to to go with them because they're they're amazing at what they do um, and they really really understand the value of these relationships so yeah we're doing all of it I feel like but then on the in person uh, I have my own networking group I'm part of the Chamber of Commerce I'm part, actually part of two chambers now um, I feel like once a week if not twice a week, I'm at a networking event belly to belly with coffee and contacts or networking at noon or something where I'm constantly just getting in touch with people and people. I want to make this abundantly clear. People think that real estate agents are just going there for leads I'm not. (laughs) I'm only going to make more connections because my clients need them. Like my clients need a business broker. My clients will need a new accountant next year. They need someone to do their taxes. And honestly, super selfishly for me, if that one business card I get, I can take back to my network. I can highlight them. People get actual value from that. So again, super selfishly, I'm not like looking for some, I mean, great if it happens, someone wants to buy, sell or invest. But honestly, for me, it's a lot more, (laughs) a lot more selfish for me and my clients because then I get to serve them at a higher level. So
0: yeah. Super I mean, and I think that's, about it. I think that's one of those things too with networking. Like if you go into it trying to help other people, you're going to get it back, you know, tenfold, right? 100%. But like, you know, going into it looking for business for yourself just comes off so slimy, <laughs> right? And that's what like I feel like a lot of people do in in regards to networking and it's like if I can go into a room and figure out how I can connect people and help people, I know mm-hmm. it's going to come back to me. Um it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but I know that it will. So um, you know, I wish everyone had that same idea and thought when it came comes to one networking.
1: Day, one day there's always hope.
0: <laughs> um, no, that's really cool. Um, congratulations on the South Carolina license. I know that was a somewhat recent uh addition to your real estate uh, you know, tool belt, I guess. Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. We we love it down there. We've been vacationing there for as long as I've been alive.
0: Okay, and that's how I figured how yeah. it came about because you know, people don't just go, I'm gonna go get another license today.
1: I just really love paperwork. Um, No, Yeah, we want to retire there eventually. Obviously, our kids are so young, so we got some time. But I thought it was really important not just to plant some roots there for us. But my in-laws spent a ton of time there. My grandparents used to live there. We love the island. Yeah, we love the island. And we love spending time there. So we are trying to get there more often and more frequently. But I also wanted to have, you know, something else going on uh, yeah. from from a business aspect, and there's there's no other place I honestly would have done that, and that's probably it. Like I I won't go anywhere else. I I don't believe so at least. Well,
0: honestly. and now all your vacations can be write offs because it's a business trip. <laughs> it
1: doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. He's <laughs> like, oh yeah,
0: I've got I've got a a client meeting uh, all summer. Sorry guys. Um, <laughs> All right, so you mentioned your like live streams and social media stuff and like where you're putting it out, and it seems to be everywhere, right? You said LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, you know Instagram, Clubhouse, all the places. If you could only yeah. have one social media and like online digital media platform because like I don't really consider YouTube to be social media, but yeah. if you could only have one digital media platform and that was it, what would it be? That is so tough.
1: Cause as much as I love clubhouse and social audio in general, I still think Instagram because with Instagram, you do pictures, you could do videos, you can do like one-on-one DM voice. Like you can still hear my voice there. Um, and I can still hear the tonality and the, and the, the timbre of people's voices, I think. So, um, so yeah, I think Instagram, I, I love Instagram. It's To me, to watch the evolution of it from like just being able to post pictures to what it is today, like me and my wife were relaxing yesterday after Easter at Six Flags and we're just scrolling through reels. And it's funny how, well, like we're very different people, but we have the same core, you know, philosophy, if you will, about life. Yeah. How two totally different people, like within three seconds, she's like, why are we still watching this? Because there could be something funny coming. Like, you just don't yeah, know. That's yeah, what I yeah. love about, you know, marketing and social in general. But, uh, but yeah, I think Instagram. I think Instagram mm-hmm. is the greatest, um, at the moment at least, the greatest equalizer. Even though TikTok's a real close second. Like, yeah. I'm not connected to a lot of my friends and, like, a lot of, like, agents and stuff there yet. I find that a lot more organically, I feel, I feel like. That's what um, I was going to
0: say. I feel like TikTok, even if you're not connected just by you being connected in other places they come up on your for you page it's kind of creepy how good the (laughs) algorithm is on tiktok (laughs) (laughs) now that we've talked we're gonna see each other on each other's pages or like never seen each other's videos before but you know um (laughs) so true no you made a comment earlier actually i think before we even started recording so if i say earlier people are like he never said that but we were talking earlier before we hit record about how Sometimes there's a lot of noise on social media. Mm. And like I'm feeling that recently on like Instagram and TikTok of just like lots of videos and lots of content. and I feel like everyone is trying to to get in on, you know, short form video and just you know video in general stuff like that. What do you feel like you're doing to kind of like break through that noise or like differentiate yourself or like I, or do you even feel like you see that out there? Like I, I just I don't know, I feel like when I'm scrolling through, a lot of like Instagram or TikTok. I'm like, that's, I just saw the same video from, you know, Joe that Mark did too. You know, like, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely like this um, template maybe that's out there. Right. And especially if all you do is consume the same type of... Con- so you and I are in real estate. It only makes sense that we're going to be fed. I mean, even earlier, I was having a consult with a buyer for Hilton Head and we we're talking about investment property and everything else. And so, of course, my my For You page, my Instagram feed, my Facebook feed, even my YouTube feed are constantly then bombarded with VRBO, Airbnb, (laughs) like, you know, and and I get how the algorithms work. But I think if you kind of find what you're looking for as well, you know, and I love social for the aspect that I get to be funny, I get to be a dad, I get to be a husband, I get to be a friend, like, you get to see all facets of Matt, Right. Not just the real estate stuff. So while I can talk about that stuff and while I'm really knowledgeable about helping my clients and so on and so forth, that's not what people are there for. They're there for, who are you on the weekends? Unless you're in real estate and then you're the a person. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, what are you passionate weekend? about? Weekend? So What's like, a weekend? <laughs> Saturday and Sunday. I think they come between the Monday and the Friday <laughs> thing, or after the Monday and Friday, I think. But, um, but they want to know who you are. They want to know what you're passionate about. And so for me, I get to show off that other stuff. And I think like the biggest compliment anyone can pay me is like, Matt, you're really funny. And I'm like, well, how did you get to that conclusion as a result of one of your TikTok. Okay, well, then then that to me is funny. Like, I think that's a, that's a good thing for me to know, right? Like that, that client feedback, that customer feedback, that consumer feedback, we're all you know, super desiring to hear, Um, that's what I love. And so for me, it's like, okay, when I go back and look at my insights, like on Instagram, I see the top three reels, are the ones that probably made you laugh or probably made you smile or made you send it to someone even that you thought it was a funny outlook or a funny, you know, outtake or blooper or whatever that was, it wasn't the norm, you know? Um, and so that's, I think what most people find interesting or entertaining. And then there's like three or four other layers beyond that, below that, that maybe kind of hit that same mark just in a different way. So maybe I bring a different light to a subject or maybe I add something in real estate, but we, you know, kind of dip something that's funny or entertaining or again, just a different perspective. And honestly, that's why everyone says in social media, just be you and like bring your own content content and context to it. Because you see it differently. Like this, that's, to me, that's the greatest, uh, I know it's super redundant, but it's the greatest advice anyone can get for social media.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree completely. Um, if you weren't in real estate, what do you think you'd be doing?
1: Mm. I used to always say race car driver because I just thought that <laughs> would be like amazing.
0: Well, and isn't but that kind of like your are uh, 100%. 100%. You know, you
1: yes, the car. 100%. But after spending time in the car on the track, I know that I'm just not built for it. Like those guys are real athletes and especially the endurance guys that drive for like hours and hours on end. Uh, I have a sister-in-law that works for a NASCAR team and they've got like four or five cars. Nah, I would absolutely – give me like a weekend and I'd be great. Like, I'd be satisfied. Um, But honestly, I mean, I like helping people. I really do genuinely like helping people. Like more than probably people know. um, And not just in real estate, just in life in general. That like I think I can see things that people can't even see in themselves sometimes. And I try to bring that out because I don't think enough people are doing that. I think we're all bringing people down (laughs) in general. I think we need to be lifting more people up, but probably like a counselor maybe or a coach or I don't know, something like that would be, I think really, really fulfilling and gratifying.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. All right, Matt, I'm gonna hit you with one more question. It's a tough one. You might already know this if you said you'd listen to some other podcasts. I don't know if you made it all the way through, but if it were your last meal on earth, what would you be eating?
1: So I'm such a red meat fan. And after watching all your Instagram stories, I'm like, I'd probably just eat whatever Katie's. Eating. <laughs>
0: You're funny. No,
1: uh, but honestly, I mean, I love, I love a good like bone and ribeye. Um, and I don't know, like there was, I think it was on our honeymoon in St. Lucia. We had our last meal. There was like the most epic sunset over the Grand uh, Pitons, the two like major mountains that come okay. right out of the yeah. ocean. And um, the sunset was just like so beautiful. And the meal was delicious. So yeah, I'm going I'm going back there, no doubt.
0: No okay, doubt I like it. And like an epic trip too, you know. Yeah, so, of course. Of course. Um, obviously, you can get a steak almost anywhere, but that's like <laughs> a super epic steak. Um, 100%. Not to rub in like the steak thing or whatever, but this weekend and i didn't post it on instagram but we got some like a5 wagyu Ugh. and it was and then we the so of course like when you ask a server you know we were like hey do you think that if we got another steak like so so we're like okay we'll definitely do the wagyu but like if we get another steak would it be ruined mm. by the wagyu? because like this is just gonna be so amazing and buttery that like if we get a regular ribeye it's gonna be trash <laughs> He was like actually no because like the one's like gonna be super buttery and this would still be fatty but this that and the other so instead of doing like surf and turf, we did turf and turf, and we did the wagyu with the bone-in ribeye. It was such a good meal, like steak was with it? the side of steak. Ugh. So which so. one did you do first? So they came out both at the same time. Um, which one
1: did you taste first?
0: Oh, the wagyu, obviously. Okay. You gotta go. You gotta go higher quality first, in my opinion. See,
1: I think I go. I think I go the other way. Like let's start out, and if this is good, this is only going to be that much better.
0: <laughs> I didn't want to taint my taste buds with trash steak before I ate the good steak, you know. Was it trash though? No, I or mean was it was pretty both were amazing, <laughs> obviously. But you know, I was a little concerned that we would have the one and then just be like, oh man, I can I I, I now can no longer eat steak that's not like a million dollars an ounce, you know. So luckily I get it. I can still eat, you know, my my Walmart steak. So um okay, if people uh don't already follow you online, what's the best place for them to connect with you? Yeah, pretty
1: much at Matt, L-A-M-A-R-S-H, just like it sounds everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, YouTube. Yeah, I appreciate you so much. Thanks so much for doing this.
0: All right. Pick your platform. Find Matt LaMarche on all of the platforms. Um, And if you ever need anything in Atlanta, Georgia, he's your guy.
1: I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Have a great week.
0: You too.